welcome back to My Therapist Said. Um, welcome back. After our little break, we didn't upload an episode last week, but we're back with episode number seven of our podcast. And thanks for tuning in again. Yep. <laughs> so why did we not upload last week, Lola? We both had very interesting family vacations. Mm which was actually our first kind of venture out into the world since quarantine. True. I didn't even think about yeah. that. But yeah, true. So we were pretty stuck here. I didn't leave the country, but you did. Yeah, I did. And yeah, since we didn't manage to like pre-record an episode for last week, we just thought it's better to like skip a week, but now we're back. And we actually thought we would talk about our time on these family vacations and dive into some topics that might arise there. <laughs> yeah, so I think going on a family vacation is definitely maybe fun for some, but I think it's more stressful and it kind of like brings together all of the things that you forget about being not trapped, but in the same small vicinity as your family for a period of time. Mm. And it's really funny because for me, at least when I go back on these family vacations, I have this thought all the time, like, um, why do I still do this if yeah. it's the same every <laughs> time? Yeah. And I really forget in between and then I romanticize it and I think oh it's gonna be so nice to go away with everyone and spend some time together mm. but I don't think it really matches that yeah so um I think it's generally a topic that I've also discussed in the past with friends especially because it became a topic again during quarantine where people had to go back home to stay with their parents or siblings or other family members like how come that when you move in with your family again or you just spend more time with them and for example on a vacation you always fall back into the same roles you know what i mean i feel like when you grow up and you move out and you do your own thing aside from your parents or your siblings or whatever you feel really independent or you're like, okay, this is kind of me. But once you come back into this family situation, you always fall back into the same role. And kind of the same, for me at least, the same conflicts arise every time mm -hmm. for like the last, honestly, like 24 years. Yeah, it's true. Every single time, it's like you're just repeating the same family vacation one year later or two years later. Mm. And... But I think something that is interesting for both of us, actually, is that this time we have both been in analysis for a while. And mm. I think we did react quite different than usual. True. Or we did maybe improve a little bit in the, the way that we handled the situation. I don't think I was the me that I have been in most of my family vacations. Mm. Although, like... I think maybe we were still perceived as the same people yeah. by everyone else. Um, I think there was some kind of a difference in the way that we interpreted what was going on. Yeah. Or at least it made more sense. 
Yeah, that's true. What would you say is your like role in the family? Like I I know that your dad once said about you that in the family you're kind of the family's family's um therapist or mediator or something. Do you agree with that? Or because yeah. maybe to explain like you do have siblings, you have brothers. Yeah, I think yeah. my my role has always been the mediator and I'm always the unemotional one and I always take everyone's shit and kind of deal with it. I never cause any problems. I'm never the dramatic one. Uh, I'm always like, oh no, it's just Lola, whatever. Hmm. And I'm also the one, if, if people have problems, I'm the one who is in the middle who tries to resolve it yeah um but i i definitely am like seen as somebody who's very cold in my family mm -hmm. and who is very stable and that is just so untrue because i think i'm the opposite yeah And it's really funny that you say that because I would agree. I would say that that's not you the way I know you. Mm -hmm. But from my own experience, for me, it's the exact opposite where I feel like um, I tend to be able to express myself quite rationally and I'm always quite in control and just... I don't know. But in my family and also now on my family vacation, I'm always the dramatic person it's true and You're i'm always opposite. and i'm always so emotional mm -hmm. and that's also a vicious cycle because then when i am angry or i'm frustrated and i like have discussions or fights with my brothers then they're always like but you're so dramatic you know you're so emotional and i'm like no but i'm really not it's just <laughs> that you make me but that's what i mean it's really interesting how Your family just knows how to push certain buttons better than any other people. But it's also so funny that in the real world or whatever, you're a more controlled like person who is not overly emotional and who's not all over the place. And but in your family, you're like a completely different person. You have a different role. Yeah even though it's like it can be the exact opposite of how you are otherwise yeah but for me what really changed this time was that i just i couldn't do it anymore and i couldn't be quiet i remember once my stepsister said to me when i was really young like lola you're like a bomb and like one day you're just gonna explode mm -hmm. And that comment made me so upset mm -hmm. because I felt like nobody knows who I am here. Yeah. Like they just don't fucking get me. Yeah. And this time I think I was way more confrontational and I just decided going into it like, you know what, this time I'm not going to be quiet. Mm. And if I have a problem or if somebody says something that I don't like, I need to address it right away. Mm. And I tried to do that like during the whole time and it was actually really good for me, I think. But the funniest part was that 
afterwards, my brother um, kind of approached me and he said, your analysis must be working because you were so different mm -hmm. on this trip. And I've never seen you speak up for yourself, like with our family. And even though that was nice to hear, it was also really depressing because I was thinking, what have I been doing for yeah. my whole life? I was just pretending to be something that I'm not, even though it wasn't on purpose. But Exactly. I think in this case, that's like the good thing that you weren't aware of it. Mm -hmm. But I get what you mean looking back. Then you're like, oh, weird. I oh. should have just yeah. stood up for myself from the beginning but for some reason it wasn't possible mm. and that was really depressing for me but I think also the one of the main things where it kind of helped me in the situation although it wasn't a good thing but my youngest brother seemed to be <laughs> very emotionally distressed so instead of me being the problem he was kind of the problem so everyone was more focused on him mm. so everyone kind of said oh what's going on with him yeah so I think the attention also was off of me which was nice for me because then I could kind of come up with other ways to deal with mm. the situation but it wasn't the center of everything mm -hmm. but yeah you had a quite a different experience yeah but also similar in, in some aspects i was just on vacation with my family and i on like day four i had a huge huge fight with my brothers um i haven't had such a big fight with them i think in a long long time but also looking back i'm really proud because i did not as well as you didn't back down mm -hmm. I really stood my ground and I'm not gonna go into what it was about because it was something really small yeah but it was kind of just symbolic for how I feel I'm I was treated and um, not to go all like Alfred Adler but I do think there is something to be said about the siblings you know what I mean like yeah. who is born first and where yeah. you stand like there is a certain that comes with that like I have an older brother and I have a younger brother and I do really often feel like I'm be being overlooked not by my parents necessarily mm -hmm. but by my brothers yeah I feel like there's one who's the older one and there's always the younger one who can like do whatever he wants and then I'm like in the middle I'm also I'm a girl so very often I feel like I have to really fight for being heard yeah and that I'm not just being pushed over Especially because, as well as you did, I grew up um, to be really compliant and just be okay with anything. Yeah. So, of course, I also understand that now when I suddenly really stand my ground, often quite aggressively, they're also like really confused and then saying things like, oh, you're so dramatic and yeah. like calm down, what's happening? And I'm just like, no, this is just, I'm not dramatic. This is actually who I am. And mm -hmm. But for the first time, I dared to like speak up for myself. So in that sense, it was a really, really intense vacation. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, I don't know um, if I'm going to do it again in that setting, to be honest. Not in a bad way, because I, it was okay at the end. But it was, 
yeah, intense. Yeah, but that's another thing that we were talking about earlier is this weird expectation that you should be best friends with your siblings. Hmm. And I think it's really unfair because there's a difference between family and friendships. Yeah. And I don't understand who came up with this weird fantasy that you and your siblings should be like, I don't know, three musketeers. Yeah. And I really don't think it's that important. And I think it's even maybe a disadvantage if you're all best friends because it means that you're kind of in denial yeah. of what happened. And there's no way that everything is great between all of you. Exactly. Um, I mean, it is true that, fa- you, you know, you, if you, I sometimes think about just the fact that you are born into this world mm-hmm. and you're completely helpless, like you have nowhere to go and you're just born into this group of people. It's really not your choice who no. they are. And I mean, we are very lucky because we are born into we were born into functional families, mm-hmm. you know, not, not like psychopaths or criminals or whatever. Yeah. But um, that if you just think about it, it doesn't mean you like those people. No. And for siblings, especially, I sometimes think that I really dearly love my brothers, even though I hate them often. But deep down, I love them and I would do anything for them. I really would. And I know they would do the same. But... If we were not family, we would not be friends. No. We really Definitely wouldn't be. Not. And because you, I you would just be like be. and I would just be like, I'm not putting up with this shit. Yeah. I do not put up with how they treat me, and I'm sure I also treat them like shit very often. Yeah. But we're family, so we stick it out and it's okay and I love them. But yeah, we would not be friends. I, I highly doubt it. I definitely wouldn't be friends with any of my siblings. Yeah. And I think that's completely fine. Yeah, exactly. I think And I'm tired of feeling bad for that. And I think maybe when you also listen to us saying these things, maybe it sounds really harsh, but really think about that. Like be honest with yourself and think, would I really be friends with my siblings if I met them at a party or mm-hmm. got to know them? I wouldn't be. No. And as you said, I don't think it's a bad thing. It's it's okay to admit these things or say them. <laughs> yeah. And I also know my brothers don't listen to this podcast. so <laughs> I'm not sure if mine will, but it's okay. Sorry. Which <laughs> also says something for the relationship we have. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Um, but I do see what you mean by being the middle child. Like in my... Like when, when I think about my dad's children, I'm kind of in the middle. And... Somehow, I, like, canceled myself out. Mm. So I just disappear. Like, nothing is ever about me. Mm. And I also made sure that nothing was ever about me. So I made sure my whole life to be average. So I purposely, I never got the best grades. And I never got the worst grades. Because I thought, if I'm just in the middle, and no one complains about me or praises me, then no one will notice and then I can do whatever I want. Mm. And I always really like was under the impression that that's something that I decided. Like, oh yeah, I do this on purpose so that everybody leaves me alone and I can do whatever I want. 
But I think honestly, I really just was overlooked yeah. by everyone. And that was something that made me feel better about it. But I think no matter how much I could have tried, I think I would still be missing somehow. Yeah. Because I was that kid in the middle who just never really got attention. Mm. So you also, um, you have, I want to say a lot of brothers, but um, many of them are like half siblings. But nevertheless, you grew up with a lot of like um, brothers. How do you think that impacts yeah, like your relationship with guys? Yeah, it's also a thing. Like if, if you're always surrounded by guys and there's no girls around you, I think it's really different to be a female in the world. Yeah, for sure. Because it's almost like you're experiencing how hard the world is because it is so male-dominated, mm -hmm. but you're reminded of it constantly with your brothers yeah. who are always making fun of you, reminding you that they're better than you, like competing. And you somehow do feel like um, lower than them or there's an impression that you're lower than them in the family somehow, even though it's not talked about. Mm. And you're always the girl. And I was always like, whenever I wanted to join in in any activity, like when we played soccer or tennis, Every single time, everyone always got mad at me and then told me to get off the court because I suck. Yeah. And then, of course, I never wanted to play any team sports because I thought I suck and I shouldn't even try. And I think I also had to put up this like facade that I'm a really strong, cold person mm. because I, I wanted to be accepted by them. And I knew that my feminine side was like constantly rejected. So I do think that I kind of put up a very strong front so that I wouldn't be constantly kicked out of the group. Mm. But what about you? Because you also grew up with all guys. Yeah, I think for me, it's. When, so when I grew up, um, so me and my older brother were only two years apart. And then there are seven years between me and my younger brother. So, But still, they get along really well. So I feel like it's a very tight, mm -hmm. you know, bond. And I always grew up wanting to be a boy. I always had my hair really short. Yeah. I always dressed like a boy. I used to get my brother's clothes a lot. And we like shared clothes and shared a room. And we got the same toys. And I really liked that always. And then I feel like as I grew older and matured, also in puberty, I really struggled with having friends who were girls because I kind of felt like in between. Yeah. Not that I had a sexual identity crisis, but I felt more like a boy. But yeah. I was kind of envious of my girlfriends. Same. Because I was like, oh my God, I would love to wear a dress. But I was kind of embarrassed. I was like, but you know that's Let's that's just, not yeah. me and i cannot pull that off so actually just like towards the end of puberty or no not the end but like 16 or something that's when i discovered that i really enjoyed being a girl yeah 
but also that made it really hard in the family because all of a sudden I didn't participate in yeah. playing soccer once a week or collecting football stickers or I don't know what. And then it was always like, oh, Carla is being so extra and what's wrong with you? Like, yeah. well, why did you change? And it was really difficult for me. Also now I sometimes feel like my brothers forget that yeah. I'm a woman and that I have to make it really clear that some things I don't like do like them you know what I mean it maybe sounds really weird but um that definitely shaped me and what you said before or what we said before that in family settings you kind of always have the same conflicts mm -hmm. I think there's something to be said about the concept of like um repetition compulsion yeah that you generally you grow up in your development you have certain conflicts in your family or with important people in your life and for me it was my brothers and there are definitely some conflicts unconsciously that are just not resolved which I think is why they come up like again and again and again yeah I think definitely with with me too and the thing about puberty is really interesting because it was exactly the same with me I think when I started becoming a woman it made everyone very uncomfortable mm. And they kind of didn't know how to deal with it. And I almost felt like I have to make it easy for them to get used to it or to deal with it mm. or to make sure that they wouldn't reject me. So I continued kind of not being too feminine. And even when I did dress up or be very feminine with friends or at parties or whatever, Whenever I would go see my family or when we were together, I would I would go back into this, I don't know, androgynous yeah. thing yeah, where I didn't want to show any cleavage or like show too mm. much skin. I would just wear whatever. And then I would just be the same me that I was when I was, I don't know, 10. Yeah. I Which told, is yeah. really weird. It is really weird, but I really get it. And I'm curious whether you also still feel that now in certain aspects, because for example, I feel like a lot of that changes over the years, but I still notice this like difficulty to associate yourself with like female identity in some aspects. For example, when someone tells me that I'm sexy, mm -hmm. I'm really confused. Same. I really, and this is Same. not to fish for compliments or anything, but really I'm always like, this is a word I would never Same. associate with myself. And if you gave me a choice to either say, hey, Carla, you're sexy or you're cool. Mm -hmm. I think cool is a bigger compliment me to me. Me too. 100%. Which is weird because it's no, not weird. It's interesting. I even have this thing that I was actually talking to our friend about the other day and I was so happy that she had the same feeling. Um, when I put on makeup or when I really dress overly feminine beyond my level of comfort, um, I have this thought in my mind that I'm a man. I look like a man dressed up as a woman. Really? And I look at myself <laughs> and I'm like, I look like a man trying to be a woman and I'm so obsessed with that thought mm -hmm. and I think it's really connected because my woman part 
was never accepted by my family. Yeah. It is so weird. And it's like this obsessive thought that I have every time I see myself with makeup on. I'm like, oh, no, I look like a man trying to dress up as a woman. Yeah. It is very weird. It is. It is really weird. I never have or had that. Um, I really like dressing up like quite feminine. But I think I had something similar where definitely a big part of my history with distorted body image and eating was because I was really not comfortable Mm. with just developing a body that is obviously female. Yeah. You know, because I'm not a stick, like I have curves and I still struggle with just accepting that because apparently unconsciously there's still something in me where I'm like, but I'd rather be a guy or I don't know, or not even be one, but I, yeah, I find it quite hard sometimes to accept that, I guess. (laughs) So something that's really weird for me Um, which I think is very connected, but somehow so opposing to everything I just said, is my sexual behavior. And I think it's really interesting that I have this on one hand, that I don't feel overly feminine and that I do have a big part of me and a, a big part of my childhood and growing up was being around all males. Um... I was thinking about my sexual patterns and lately I haven't been really sexually active, but I had very compulsive sexual behavior before and it's something that I did a lot and also with different people. And I was thinking about why and it's so uncomfortable and hard to think about why you have sex because it should be for pleasure Mm. or to have a child Mm. Um, but for me I think it was really a way to achieve a closeness with males that I didn't know how to do Mm. without sex and it's really strange to think about because I, I was kind of around males all the time and I most of my family are men. So it was weird for me to think about why I engage in so much sexual activity with men mm-hmm. because I think the closeness that I was actually missing yeah. or like the void that I actually had was um, connections with women. Mm. but I would constantly try to get close to men. And I, I think a lot of it is because of these family conflicts that you have, is that I was always around these men, but I never achieved mm. the closeness that I desired, and I felt like everyone else was so close. Yeah. And I was somehow an outsider, and I think unconsciously I thought, oh, wait, I have something where I can be close to people that they can't do Mm -hmm. or close to men, which they are not capable of. So it's almost like a, a hack or like a trick. Yeah. And then again, it's a repetition compulsion. I think to kind of overcome that horrible feeling that I had growing up where I thought 
I will never achieve the closeness that the rest of my family has with yeah. each other. And it gave me some sense of what I thought that might be. Mm. And I really wanted it all the time because, again, when you go through this, like any trauma when you're growing up, I think the compulsion to repeat and also the compulsion to repeat your attempt at fixing it, yeah. it never gets old somehow. Yeah. So how did that, though, like leave you this kind of behavior? Because obviously you're working at it now or you have worked at it. So that means it worked short term, but it didn't long term, did it? Well, the problem is, is that, well, not the problem. So I thought that this was a problem that I now I'm not engaging in any sexual behavior. I automatically thought, okay, what's wrong? Yeah. Because this isn't me. And usually I'm somebody who has sex with a lot of people. So something must be wrong. But I quickly realized that actually something was solved and something is actually right. And it sounds strange, but the solution was me being in analysis. And I think um, getting this feeling of closeness with my analyst and to really feel heard and seen by a male gave me that feeling that I was longing for my whole life, which my father never gave me, my brothers never gave me. And something in me, I think, realized that I don't need to use sex anymore because yeah. I can also achieve that closeness by talking. And that was really crazy for me and a really big change in my life. Mm. I think it is really important to or interesting to realize how your sexual behavior and your sexual patterns are not only shaped by like culture and society and education, mm -hmm. but I think many people don't... Um, consider that your family plays a huge part in it like for us it's really mm -hmm. normal but sex and family are two words that you never want to associate with each other because it automatically you know sounds like Ugh. but um i think that's like the the core of all the freud haters because they're yeah. so uncomfortable with the fact that yeah. kids have a sexual life yeah and it also is uncomfortable when you're working yeah. at it it yeah. is but when you work at it, you come to realize so many things about yourself that are so interesting and that make so much sense. Like what you just said is so intimate, but it, it like makes so much sense. And it sounds like it really helps you understand yourself better and your past behavior and kind of like, yeah, just work at it. Yeah. And for me, I think it's quite, I mean, we've discussed this quite a lot, but for me, it's quite different where I... I don't have troubles like getting close to people through talking or getting to know them. And but then when I'm dating someone and it comes to the part of where you like want to have sex, like that makes me really anxious mm -hmm. because for some reason, this physical aspect, while I enjoy it, once I do it, there's so much hesitation about it and it just makes me really anxious. And I think 
it does have to do with what we just talked about before since I've had so many problems with identifying myself as a woman that I just unconsciously don't understand why anyone would want to have sex with me and also because I just don't feel like I'm a sexual human being yeah because when you never fully identify with Mm -hmm. your gender you also don't accept your sexuality and that you have urges and wishes and drives and um and like doing it yourself like masturbation and stuff is one topic Mm -hmm. but letting someone else come that close because it's such a vulnerable experience for me at least to have sex with someone like really it's two naked people Mm -hmm. lying on top of you it's someone else is inside you you know what (laughs) i mean i'm sorry can we just like break this down like Like you literally become one. one it's really the ultimate intimate experience and for some reason that for me was always so so difficult and still is um and i definitely think that's also from growing up in a family where i always thought like as a female i'm just not as good as yeah the men but it's isn't it so crazy how i mean we do have kind of similar situations mm. but our reactions to them is literally the opposite yeah so that's another thing that i find insane is that you can have two people growing up identically but the way they perceive what's happening to them can be so different yeah and i think that's why it's also so important to instead of even in psychoanalysis instead of having your theories and kind of assigning people these labels and roles you really need to hear their version of it yeah definitely and i think it's just really good to talk about these things and they're yeah as i said i think they're just so intimate and there's so much hesitation to talk about these anxieties around sex and just like yeah really uncomfortable things but i really do think there needs to be more of an open discussion like i I sometimes i sometimes wonder once i'm gonna have kids like how i would talk to them about sex because i don't know about you but you know how people also in movies where the parents talk to their kids about sex? The talk. I've, I've never had the talk. Me either. And I, <laughs> I've asked my friends and no one has had the talk. I've never had a conversation about it. So of course, like there's so much, I don't know, anxiety or stigma around <laughs> sex or so many expectations. But also then I think like, what would, how would you, Yeah. how will you approach the subject with your kids? I have one memory, which is exactly what you should not do with your child. And it's so bad. But I also don't blame my mother because I think I really just caught her off guard. Mm. And she was watching a documentary about AIDS. And I walked into her room and I was like, I think I was too young to really have a conversation about sex. And although I'm sure I knew what it was, but I walk in and I go how do people get AIDS? (laughs) And she just looks at me like in panic. And she's like, um, you know, through things like kissing. And then she told me that. And for ages, I was like, I can't let anyone kiss me because I might get AIDS. (laughs) (laughs) So I would not do that. (laughs) Yeah. But see, let alone this 
small experience led to such a false belief for I know. so many years. I know. So that's why I I'm get I get so angry when like you hear that people actually tell their kids that like a fucking stork brings a baby. I know. Like your kids are not that dumb. I I don't know. On that subject, I really know that I'm gonna tell my kids how babies are made is when a man puts his penis in the vagina of a woman and I'm gonna just explain it. Yeah, I think so too. Or maybe just hand them a pamphlet. (laughs) (laughs) Like, um, well... This is awkward, but I have a wonderful book for you to read. But I don't think it needs to be awkward. I think... But I think also it might be uncomfortable for the kid. I guess I would give them an option. Like, I can explain it to you if you want, or I can also give you a good book, and you can ask me anything you want after if you don't get it. But that's actually what my mom did. Really? Yeah. Uh Uh-oh, so it's not good. (laughs) I also think... It's really it really depends on how old the kid is. Yeah. But you know, in movies or TV shows or whatever, the kids who have to talk are always like sixteen, and in real life they're probably yeah. like nine. So <laughs> I mean, <laughs> doesn't make any sense. But I remember when I was like seventeen, I lost my virginity, and at some point, I guess my mom knew I was seeing someone or not or whatever. At some point, she just asked me if I've had sex, and we never had any, any kind of talk. Yeah. And she just asked me if I've had sex, and I was like, "Yeah." And then she was like, "Do you have any questions?" <laughs> and I was just like, "Well, no." <laughs> like, it's a bit too. It's a bit too late now. It's a little late. <laughs> oh, and I genuinely didn't have any questions, so I think it's better when the kids maybe are young. I just basically what I would want to tell them is just that. A man puts his penis into the vagina of a woman and that it's it feels nice but it can be painful physically as no, well but no but they'll be scared no, okay then no okay maybe not painful but <laughs> don't scare them it can no ugh, damn i don't know okay damn, this is a really difficult question but i wouldn't want to lie to them to be like i would want them to know okay maybe that's when they're older that sex is a huge thing and it can really destroy lives. You know what oh I mean? Oh my god! <laughs> no, but <laughs> don't ever say that. <laughs> no, but like, or okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. No, no. So kids. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're absolutely right. That would be horrible. That would be really traumatic. Yeah, maybe I'll just hand them the pamphlet as well. <laughs> So I guess it is something you really need to think about. It's really something you need to think about. Yeah, and plan for. Like, you should be prepared. PowerPoint, maybe? Yes, (laughs) yes. Make a little uh, theater production. (laughs) Uh, Slideshow, Dia show. (laughs) But it's definitely hard. Yeah. Or maybe it would be cool to invite over, like, a gynecologist. I think that would be really traumatizing. If you have a little girl and a gynecologist comes over, just if she shows a picture of that chair, you would like okay, run away right, screaming. Right. I guess there really, now that we talk about it so much, I guess there really is no right way. Like no. you just got to hope for the best. Yep. <laughs> Damage control a few Shit. years later. Yeah, but it's funny. I would not invite a gynecologist over. <laughs> really? They would, talk, would. they would talk about like STDs and rashes. 
It would be like, so this is a picture of a yeast infection. <laughs> <laughs> These are the uh, good bacteria in your <laughs> vagina. <laughs> um, yeah, you're right. It is, it's hard. Also, do you have the talk alone or do you invite your partner to do it with you? Also, would you have to talk with both your son and your daughter or just with your daughter or like? Mm, I don't know. So we're coming to the question segment of the podcast. And because we kind of messed up last week and didn't whatever think about it too much, we also forgot to ask you guys a question. So we're just going to come up with a question here on the spot. So Lola, I have a question for you. Since we're on the topic, kind of, I would like to know if there is any belief about sex that you had before you lost your virginity that was kind of just changed after you know was there any misconception that you had about it when you once you had sex were like oh yeah ugh, definitely okay. so i was under the impression <laughs> that you have sex and then you both orgasm oh yeah of course together yeah and it's like yeah or like close to each other you know if yeah. not at the same time then like you do it then he does it and then you're done yeah um that's not the case it's not but still many many people think that many people think that and not and just young people yes like many many people yes and the thing that makes me really upset and actually kind of aggressive is that men think that women can orgasm like vaginally yeah and i promise you such a small percent of women can do that yeah Really, I think I would say fifteen percent. Yeah. Like, really, yeah. It's so fucking hard for a woman to have an orgasm, like just from intercourse. Yeah. And I'm so annoyed that men still think that that's the case. Yeah. Which also then comes back to this topic of talking about sex and like bringing up men, I guess, in a in a way, and also yeah. women because. I know enough women who also until probably, I don't know, they've had a few partners. They thought that there was something wrong with them. Exactly. Because they're like, wait, I, but I, I don't have... A, I'm not having an orgasm. Yeah. And I didn't realize that it, it actually takes like work and effort to figure out what makes you feel good. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be also something that you saw somewhere in a movie or that your friends tell you about the way that you experience pleasure is going to be like completely unique and up to you. Exactly. And also, furthermore, it takes a lot of confidence to when you're intimate with someone, kind of speak up yeah. and tell them what you like. And even what I learned in one of our university classes, <laughs> which I practice at home, and it is definitely true, is <laughs> what's, what's going to happen now? <laughs> yes. Is that your breathing is so important. Yeah. Like, you can literally make yourself have an orgasm just by uh, controlling your breathing. How? Took me a while to figure out, but it was true. My therapist said workshop coming soon. <laughs> Kama Sutra with Lola. It was so crazy because it's so true. And you don't pay attention to your breathing when you're having sex. But I think that's also a big um, thing that stops you from experiencing pleasure because... I'm sure that when you're nervous and you're occupied with 
I don't know how you look or if you're pleasuring your partner or if they're enjoying themselves, you're not going to be paying attention to your own body and how you're breathing and mm. stuff like that. And I think it's just, you really have to be comfortable with someone to truly get the pleasure out of sex. Yeah, I agree. And I was not aware of that. Mm. And it was quite frustrating, actually. Mm. Not happy about it. <laughs> okay, so I want to kind of follow up on that. Okay. And I'm going to ask you, um, can you tell us about if you faked orgasms and kind of what your thoughts were around doing that? Because I definitely have. Yeah. And why you felt that you needed to do that? So I absolutely faked orgasms. Same. I mean, and I'm not ashamed to admit it. Me because either. Because I know at that point... I was just really insecure and I was just starting to gain sexual experiences. And as you said, I also, what you just mentioned, had those misconceptions. So I also thought that there was something wrong with me in a sense, or I would get really frustrated with myself even during sex because I was just like, this is really good and I'm enjoying it. So why yeah. don't I have an orgasm? And this also keeps the wheel spinning in your head. Yeah. And then you get stuck in your head. Of course you're not going to have one. Exactly. And um, I did it with like an ex-boyfriend, for example. And um, because it was... So when I did it, it was usually with people that I really cared about and that I genuinely really liked. And then I would get stuck in my head and I would almost feel guilty because I wanted them more to like be happy that they yeah. made me come yeah so i would like fake an orgasm but and I, I think it is really like an act of empathy <laughs> it's a selfless deed <laughs> because i mean i would be a little bit hurt if a if a guy yeah. can't achieve an orgasm yeah. i would think that it's my fault or yeah and now i know myself much better and i know that and also, if I don't have an orgasm, it's fine. And I don't feel embarrassed about it. Yeah. I know it's normal. And not, by now, I know that women just don't come that easily. And I, whatever. Mm -hmm. I have much more experience. But that back then, I was too insecure. I I would never have spoken up for myself. Yeah. Um. So I did. And I think, I mean, I dare to say that most women have. I really think most women do. Yeah. Not just have. Yeah, for sure definitely yeah honestly okay no that's not true never mind <laughs> we will cut that out i was about to say that i would do it again but no actually i wouldn't because i would just be fine with not faking it yeah and you kind of because i'm i'm confident enough to just be like no i didn't have an orgasm like no there's nothing wrong with you it's just i don't have an orgasm now yeah so um today i think was a really good conceded <laughs> i think we did really great today <laughs> no but i think today was interesting topics i enjoyed talking about these things yeah it was nice i think we had a lot to come back to with our little break so it was nice sure. to catch up again lots of inspiration yes um so uh thank you for listening if you're still listening at this point thanks so much for coming back again 
We really appreciate it. We have a goal to kind of maybe put more effort into our advertising and pushing our podcast. Yeah, we don't really have like a presence on social media and we're kind of we kind of don't know beginners. how to do it. Yeah, so we basically it's really cool that people are listening, but we would like obviously to have more listeners and kind of spread the word more about the podcast. So if you have any tips for us on how to do that because we're both not great influencers so no we're not very good in the tech world so yeah any advice or anything really would be super cool as well as questions input feedback yes anytime message either of us yeah and we hope that you will tune in again next week so thank you bye